right, well, I want to welcome all of our campuses officially to Liquid Church. Um, my name is Tim. If I haven't met you, you're joining us via broadcast. We want to say happy Mother's Day. Guys, would you welcome all our campuses who are joining us? Glad you're here. It's Mother's Day. You know what that means? It's the spring. It means the end of school is kind of just around the corner. Uh, so if you're a kid, you're probably like, like praying, you know, I can't wait for school to end. Uh, if you're a teacher, you're probably praying the same thing. I can't wait for the end of school. If you're a parent, maybe you're freaking out a little bit, right? You're like, what am I going to do when all these little buggers are home 24-7? You know, it's okay. It's just a phase. You'll survive. In fact, that's what I'm calling today's message. It's just a phase. And what I want to do is talk to, uh, to mothers and fathers. I want to talk to sisters and brothers, aunts and uncles. We got grandmas and grandpas here today. Just about all the phases that a kid goes through in the different seasons of life. And I figured, I know it's Mother's Day, but I was like, you know, we need to widen the tent here because everybody in this room has influence in a child's life. We have so many families that call Liquid Church home, and we want to talk about how we can kind of partner together to spiritually influence a child that they'd reach their fullest potential in Christ. So this message applies to every age and stage. Uh, if you're here with like a newborn baby, first off, I saw you during worship. You're barely staying awake. You're like, <gasps> your head's flopping back and forth. I get it. Dad comes in with a car seat, you know. It's okay. It's just a phase. You will survive it. If you have an elementary school kid and you're worried about, you know, next fall, will they make friends? Will they be able to handle the homework load? Don't worry. It's just a phase. They'll survive. If you have a middle schooler, I'll be honest, you may or may not make it, okay? I'm just saying, okay? We, we got to lay hands and anoint oil with you, man. That's a, here's the deal. Parenting, it's this like head spinning, blink and you miss it kind of experience. I know. I, I remember when our firstborn, our, my daughter Chase, was born almost 16 years ago. There she is. You know, for her first five years, she was just a little girl in a pink skirt with her doggy, right? Fast forward 10 years, it was like, boom, we now got a teenager in the house, right? And she's, she's still daddy's little girl, but guess what? She's taller than daddy. <laughs> I, that's why I go higher with my hair. I'm, try, I'm just trying to keep up with the girl, right? I mean, those of you with teenagers, you get this, right? Mo Mommy doesn't pick her clothes anymore. She's got opinions of her own about fashion. She still walks the dog. Sometimes it's in high heels, you know, in the snow. It's, it's how our fabulous teenager rolls. But I, I look at that Instagram contrast, and I think, man, how, how did this happen so fast? It's like one moment you got a kid starting kindergarten, and, and I get it, you don't sleep, there's endless laundry, and you're like, when will it end? But you blink, and it's almost over. Colleen and I, we can't believe our little girl's going to turn 16. She's going to get her license this summer. And I said to my wife, I said, honey, think about it. I mean, in, in a couple years, she may go off to college, be out of the house. And my wife was like, don't say that. She got mad. Because she's like, I want things to slow down. In other words, when it starts, it's like, you know, when will it end? And now it's like, we don't want it to end. We're stressed by how little time we have left with our kids before they launch, you know, out of, leave the nest, kind of launch on their own. It's, you blink and they're gone. See, it's just a phase. So you better not miss it. Today, I want to talk about the five phases of influence that every kid needs at key seasons in their life. And to do that, I brought... Um, five traffic cones with me. You may have done this when you're teaching your kids to like ride a bike. You know, you go to the store, you get the traffic cones, you set them up in the driveway. You're like, okay, put the training wheels on. We're going to show them how to balance, how to navigate and steer, how to turn left and right. And when I did that with my little girl, you know, then we went to Toys R Us. We got our little, you know, Miss Strawberry Shortcake bike, you know, from Toys R Us, which ripped Toys R Us, right? R.I.P. 
It's gone, you know, like sign of the times, right? Killed the giraffe. Come on, guys. It's like, and we got to that bike, and, you know, you remember how it goes. We're showing you how to go in and out and in and out, and, you know, eventually, oh, letting go just a little bit, she may fall. And it's appropriate because the reality is we put training wheels on her bike because there wasn't a lot of margin. She was our little girl, and we don't want her to get hurt. Eventually, though, we take the training wheels off and we let go. And that's what, that's what raising a kid requires, training. In fact, God's word, the Bible, says a lot about training. In Proverbs 22, 6, God says this. Train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they will not what? Turn from it. In other words, most of parenting is training for a future time when they're older. I mean, children go through all these phases when they need specific support. They have to have certain boundaries and they ask different questions. They need to learn different truths. I mean, specifically spiritual truth. We're trying to train our kids here to know how to love God with all their heart, soul, strength, and mind and to love others as Jesus would. Ultimately, our hope is that one day they'll arrive safe in the arms of their heavenly father and they'll embrace faith in Christ. And when they're old, they'll not turn from it. Now, that's not a guarantee or a promise. We all know people have kind of gone different ways. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I want you to understand the wisdom behind this verse. When God's word says, train up a child in the way they should go. In other words, the direction. You're going to help them navigate and steer all the ins and outs. But watch, when they are old, they will not turn from it. It means if you do this right, they will get where they're going eventually, hopefully not crashing into the arms of God. Now watch this. It's not a guarantee, but it's setting a directional and a course so that kids can make the faith their own when they're adults. It's appropriate to me that these cones are orange. Because if you've been around our church at all, you know the philosophy of our family ministry. We actually call it orange. Orange is a liquid church. <laughs> a liquid church is an orange church. And here's where that comes from. We came up with the color orange because it combines two very powerful forces in a kid's life. We believe at this church, when you combine the heart of the family, in other words, what's symbolized by red, that's the heart of your home, with the light of the church, that is the gospel of Jesus represented by yellow, when you combine family and church, red and yellow, you get orange outcomes in a kid's life. In other words, it's a force multiplier. It's not just you and her, it's you, her, and us and the Holy Spirit. So when spiritual leaders like me partner with parents like you, you get the combined power of church and home on a kid's life, and it can change their eternity. The thing is, a lot of parents today, especially in New Jersey, they see this as a choice. Well, that's why we're bringing them to church. It's not our job. Spiritual training, that's your job, okay? You, you teach them, you know, about God and how to pray and, you know, reading the, the Bible stories. You kind of want to outsource spiritual training. But we think that's actually missing out. Because when you combine the heart and the love and the warmth of the family with the light and the hope of the church, the whole course of a kid's life can change in 18 years. I mean, think about it. We don't have a lot of time with your kids. Do you know how many hours we have a year with your kid on average? 40. 40 hours is what a church has with the average kid. You know how many the average parent has with your kid? 3,000 hours a year, all right? So the orange effect is about combining forces and multiplying the two. So our goal is to partner with parents and make you the spiritual hero at home. An orange leader is any adult who helps train the next generation in a faith worth following. You may be a parent, maybe you're a grandparent, you could be one. Aunts and uncles, you may volunteer with kids on Sunday. Maybe you help with the toddlers or in the nursery. 
or you mentor a group of fourth grade boys, or you're a buddy for a child with special needs, a middle school or high school mentor, notice God says this, train up a kid in the direction they're supposed to go. And here's the key. When they're old, they will not turn from it. In other words, you've got to be thinking and parenting with the end in mind. Where do I, it's not even, I know, I get it. When the kids start, it's like all these details and everything's brand new. But if you're not thinking about where you want them to be in 10 years, the Bible says you've missed the boat. So let me ask this question. Where do you want your kid to arrive 10 years from now? Where do you want them to be when 20 years from now? What kind of adults? What's the ultimate goal you have in mind for the kid in your life? I mean, what do you truly want? If you ask in New Jersey, the typical parent says something like this. Actually, field tested this last week with some people in our town. I was like, what do you want for your kids? And number one response was, we want our kids to be happy, right? Everyone agrees with that. Uh, most people around here say, you know, I want them to do well in school. That's a goal. We want them to really apply themselves. Others will say, maybe play a sport and maybe they get a scholarship. They play soccer in college. Or we want them to graduate from a good college. Um, let's see, in 10 years, we want them, you know, well-read or get a job, you know, <laughs> marry the right person. And, and those are all awesome things. But here's my question. Is that the ultimate goal of parenting? Like the best outcome is that they'd go to college and play soccer and, you know, have a nice house and nice neighborhood. I think we're missing something. And for my wife, Colleen, and I, we made the answer very, very simple. We actually came up a few years ago with a mission statement for our family. You know what the ultimate goal is for our kids? Here it is. We want our kids to grow up to be, here it is, kind, compassionate, responsible adults who love Christ, share God's heart for the world, and then use their God-given gifts to serve others. In other words, we want them to love God and then we want them to love other people. We believe that they were born on purpose for a purpose to use their gifts to serve other people. And then watch this, we added this. And then we want to be friends. In other words, when they're old enough to go out on their own, we want to have enough trust and love in the bank that they'd actually want to come hang out with us. Okay, I know it's going to take a miracle, right? I want you to notice what our family's mission statement doesn't say. Notice it doesn't say, we want our kids to grow up to be valedictorian, okay? We want them to be a D1 football player. It doesn't even say like, you know, we want them to choose a certain career. We want them to be a pastor or making money or buying a house or in a nice neighborhood. Not because those things aren't nice. They're just not a priority for us. See, our outcome is less aspirational and more relational. We want our kids to love God, love others, and if we're lucky, one day, love us, so parents, here's my question of the day for you. You ready for it? Are you parenting by circumstance and chance? In other words, you're just kind of winging it through each stage. Or on purpose with a plan? Today, I want to let you know, our church has a plan. A very intentional, strategic plan with an end goal in mind for your child. And today, I want to just be super upfront about how we believe we're being called to raise the next generation and then invite you to play a part in that. Now, to do that, we're going to do something fun. I'm going to ask you to take out your phone. Can everyone take out their cell phone? If you're new to our church, it's okay. You won't get struck by lightning, all right, unless you play Angry Birds or something, but take it out. <clears throat> and I want you to turn to the, uh, we have a mobile app. It's a Liquid Church mobile app. We've had about 4,000 people download it, which is awesome. It's free. It's completely free, so you can just download it real quick. But we put the message notes on here, and today's kind of special. We put special graphics in here from our Liquid Family Department 
that goes through all the ages and phases of a kid's life from age zero all the way to age 18 when they go off, you know? So if you open that up, you click on Sunday, you'll see message notes, and it says click here to view phases ages zero through 18. So this is going to take you from cradle to college, and you can like save this, you can take screenshots of it, whatever, but I want you to kind of see this of how we see the phases and see if you don't relate to this. Now, when I say phases, what do I mean? A phase is simply defined as a time frame in a kid's life when you can leverage distinctive opportunities to influence their future. So like a window opens, you're like, I'm going to leverage this moment when they're three years old by thinking about where I want them to be when they're 23, okay? And here's the deal. As you're going to see in the app, every phase is dramatically different. This is the challenge. Every phase has different questions. Every phase has different challenges. So we kind of describe these. I want you to look at these. If you're a, again, mom, dad, aunt, uncle, grandparents, a teacher, whatever, see if these phases don't sound familiar. We're going to start with zero to age one. This is the phase when nobody sleeps, everybody smells, <clears throat> and one mesmerizing baby convinces you, I need you now. I want my formula now. I want my nap now. Change my diaper now. Very demanding phase, right? That's why you see all the newborn parents sort of like walking sideways. Some of them are just coming to church now. They can't get here on time, all right? No judgment. Zero to one. One to two does change. This is interesting. This is the phase when nobody's on time. <laughs> Everything's a mess. And one eager toddler will insist, I can do it, right? You need help with your shoes? No, I can do it. I tie my shoes. Okay. Do you want to hold the hot chocolate? You want daddy to blow on it? No, I do it. Ah! Right kind of thing. They, they start wanting independence between one and two. But watch this. Three to four is where it gets crazy. This is the phase... When anything can be imagined, everything can be a game, and one curious preschooler wants to know, everyone say it, why? 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 Son, we're going to go to the bathroom, we're going we're gonna to go, why? We're going to pee in the toilet today, why? It's more fun when I, when I do a shower like this, it's kind of, why? Uh, da Daddy, Daddy, why is the dog, you know, hopping up and down on your leg, why? Why does he do that? Why he do that, right, kind of thing? Start asking those questions, and then they start making comments that are unfiltered. This is kindergarten through first grade. Take a look. The phase when unfiltered words make you laugh. She looks pregnant. Are you pregnant, lady? Don't say that, you know? Uh, homework makes you cry because now there's a little tension in the, in the house. Life becomes a stage in where your kid shouts what? Look at me! This is the first developmental stage where a child starts actively seeking the attention of somebody else, right? It's, it's why you're doing the bike thing. Look at me, daddy. No, come on, you got, let go, let go, let go. No, look at me, look at me. Daddy, look at me without your hands, without my hands. Ah! Right, they want you to see them because this is where they start getting their self-worth. What does the most important person in my life think about me when they look at me? Do they see me? Now, second and third grade, this is the phase when fairness matters most. If you've got siblings, this is where it starts. Why does he get to watch that television show and I don't? Differences get noticed. I'm taller. I'm faster than you. She's fatter than me. And your enthusiastic kid thinks anything sounds like fun. Let's throw the cat in the pool, see if it can swim. Yeah, that sounds like fun, right? Fourth and fifth grade. Phase when friends are 
best friends. So it's no longer a group of friends. It's I've got a bestie. She's my bae, right? There's like, now we got, I'm choosing. Games are for competition. It used to be like, hey, let's just have fun. It's like, now we want to kill them, right? <laughs> and I'm picking you last for volleyball, Vince, okay? And that's what, right? All of a sudden, your confident kid will insist to his parents, I've got this. Hey, son, are you ready for the quiz? Yeah, I've got this. Uh, did you do your homework? I've got this. Newsflash, they don't got this, okay? <laughs> don't believe it. Because this is when they're starting middle school. Sixth grade is, uh, is a big moment. This is the phase when there's never enough groceries. They will eat you out of house and home, okay? Too many hormones. In other words, it's not just the dog anymore. Now you got to worry about the kids. And a dramatic kid, dramatic kid that needs someone to prove who cares? I, I will never forget taking my son to middle school. First day, I, you know, we're driving, and I'm like, you know, like, hey, so are you excited? Are you nervous? And he's like, who cares? <laughs> so I was like, I thought you might. Uh, you know, it's, <laughs> who cares? They're learning sarcasm. They're learning irony. And when they say, who cares? They're really saying, who cares? <laughs> Everything's changing. My voice is changing. My friends are changing. Who cares? Who's safe? Who's got my back? I'm not sure anymore. And so that's when seventh and eighth grade happens. This is it, boy. This is the phase when, Dad, nothing you do is cool. I'm just telling you. you, you can, Alan, you can go dress in Hollister or Hurley t-shirt. You ain't cool, bro. Me neither. It's okay. Everything is fun in a crowd. This is important. You don't want to stick out. You don't want to look at me anymore. It's just like, no, I'm just, don't, don't. <laughs> I want to be in a crowd, blend in, and one smart kid will keep reminding you, yeah, I know. <laughs> Son, you haven't showered in like three days. I know. <laughs> you're, you're starting to smell like Doritos. <laughs> yeah, I know, okay? Did you remember your job? Yeah, I know, okay? Everything, they don't know, all right? They're acting like they know because they're about to go into high school, ninth grade. And this is important, big transition here. I remember my ninth grade. This is the phase when friendships shift because now you can pick your new friends. Grades count. Isn't that funny, by the way? Like up to this, when you tell kids in ninth grade, you're like, hey, up to this point, no one's really paying attention. But now you have a permanent file, okay? <laughs> they're like, what? Interests change so often that your teenager has to explain, this is me now, okay? Deal with it. I see you dyed your hair purple and you're wearing black lipstick. Yeah, I'm goth now. This is me now. This is who I am. And it may change next week. That's, I, I don't make fun. I did that. When I arrived at freshman year in high school, I was all Mr. L.L. Bean. Like, you know, like dockers and, you know, kind of stuff. Because my mom, you could kind of bought my clothes. But all of a sudden, I was like, that's not cool. So by sophomore year, you look at the pictures, Mr. L.L. Bean, I had champion sweatpants rolled up to here, Reebok high tops with the tongues out. I was like, I'm a jock now. And then I discovered I wasn't athletic. <laughs> so I changed. You see, you can see, I'm telling you, man, you just try on different identities. Tenth grade, um, this is the phase when everyone else can go to the party. Why can't I? Everyone else is going to the shore after the concert. Why can't I? Uh, and, and, and nobody else has to text their mom when they get there. Why? Your resolute teen will push you to answer, why not? And you better not answer, because I... 
because now they can use facts and reason. And so, which is a blessing and a curse at the same time, okay? You got to start coaching. 11th grade, um, this is interesting. This is an in-between because transition. This is the phase when there's less drama because they're starting to think about maybe I'm going to college. There's more stress because they're thinking maybe I'm going to go to college and, you know, what am I going to do in two years? And your very busy teenager answers all your questions with what? Just trust me. The entire, let me get this straight, the entire lacrosse team is sleeping over, just trust me. <laughs> really, are their parents going to be there? Yeah, they're throwing the party, Dad. Just trust me. Do not trust them, okay? I'm just, well, I mean, you could <laughs> use Ronald Reagan's trust but verify, all right? I'm just saying. The last year, some of you seniors know this one, 12th grade. This is the phase when your emerging adult pulls away, because they're getting independent, but they get closer, because somebody needs to pay for college. Uh, <laughs> does things for the last time. Some of you are going to the, your back-to-school night. It's the last one this coming fall. And you both start asking, what's next? What, like, like, what's going to happen? Like, we, we had her for 17 and 18 years, and we, we did our best, and we, we think we set her on the right way, and oh, please, I don't know. Don't do it, Dad. Don't touch. What's next? What's going to happen? Will they take off, or will they crash and burn and be back in our basement? Uh, <laughs> Because here's the thing, 18 plus after this, this is, this is where they're adults, right? This is the phase where your emerging adult pulls away more, they get their first job or something like that, needs you again because they need health insurance. <laughs> Does things for the first time, they picked a roommate, they're living with somebody, and you both keep asking, what now? What, what now? There's no manual for this. See, parenting is hard, isn't it? Like, nobody, nobody like, gets experience and like, now let's try it again. It's like you got a shot, and you try to help them navigate and steer, and you have to shift gears as you're going. But if that overwhelms you, just remember, guys, it's just a phase. Don't blink, because you'll miss it. So here's my question if you have a kid in your life in any of these phases. Are you parenting by circumstance and chance, we'll just wing it, or on purpose with a plan? Our goal here at Liquid is that we have a purposeful plan for every child that comes to this church. We want to partner with you parents at every phase of your kid's life to train them up on purpose so that when they're older, they will arrive where God wants them to be, safely in the arms of their Heavenly Father. So I just want to take a few minutes to explain what each of these cones represent, because I'm like, you can't give a parenting or, or influence. By the way, look at my voice. I'm in middle school now. That's amazing. I have allergies in the spring. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. But every phase is different, and if you're taking notes, here's how I want you to think about it. For the first couple of years of a kid's life, the posture you got to take as a parent or as an adult of influence is you have to cater to their needs. Everyone say cater. Basically, you do everything for your kid, right? You wipe their nose, you wipe their butt, you change their diaper. Your job is simple, keep the kid alive, okay? <laughs> Now, this is a super stressful season. Yeah, I always can pick the new parents. You know, they have this shell-shocked look, bags under their eyes, you know. Mom has a little vomit on her shoulder for like 18 months. No one tells her, right? And if you're a new parent, infant, toddler, listen, listen, my heart, we get it. We get it. Your whole world has been turned upside down in a wonderful way. Everything revolves around your son or daughter. Well, here is our commitment to you as a church. I promise your child, for every day they are here, will receive safe, 
screened spiritual supervision. When I say safe, we have the highest quality volunteers in all of our liquid family classrooms. They actually have experience handling infants and toddlers. And here's the most important part. They are screened extensively. All volunteers at this church go through a rigorous background check. Even I have to get a background check to go in by the kids. Does that encourage you? I hope. And it's, notice we call it spiritual supervision. We didn't say it's babysitting. We, we don't do babysitting here. We believe your child is getting their first impression of their heavenly father. And so this is an imprinting phase for us. Now, obviously, we don't like break open the Bible and be like, okay, we're reading through Ecclesiastes, one-year-olds, right? We don't do that. But the heart of our volunteers in phase one is so that you parents can have an opportunity to actually sit in the service and simply receive. <laughs> we believe that as we spiritually supervise your kids, that mommy and daddy are better parents when they've had time together in worship before the Lord. And you wonder if you'll survive, but remember, this, this is just a phase. Don't miss that, the, the catering phase, because then this one lasts about eight years. This is what we call the controlling phase. And this is basically where you micromanage your kid's life. And I mean micromanage in the positive sense of the word, right? They don't have the moral thinking yet. So you got to draw boundaries. you got to help them make decisions. You, you give them directions, right? You, 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 rules and boundaries for about eight years. Okay, kids, listen, here's how it works. In this family, we wear our underwear under our clothes, okay? I don't care what your friends are doing. Uh, no, you can't eat Captain Crunch for dinner. No, you can't go to the mall alone. No, no, no. Uh, first, we do our homework. Then you can play Fortnite, okay? In this, in this house, in this house, I don't, care, I don't care what Billy does. In this house, you only get an hour of screen time, and it's got to be in the kitchen, the presence of a parent. You cannot bring the screen to bed. What are you doing? You're controlling the environment. You're setting boundaries. You're establishing time limits. You're showing them what moral thinking is like. And if you think about it, that's how God does it with us, isn't it? This is what God did with the Israelites. When they, remember, the Israelites, right, in the Old Testament, they go through the Red Sea, the seas part. In other words, the waters break, and this new baby named Israel tumbles onto dry ground. And God basically says, okay, I got house rules. There's how many? Ten of them. <laughs> Here's how you're going to relate in this house. There's no lying. There's no cheating. There's no Snapchat ever, right? That's kind of, God lays down the law. He's controlling things and establishing boundaries through the Ten Commandments. That's what you're doing as a parent. And this is so key because this is when we start teaching your kids the scriptures in a large group environment. It's the first time we're clustering them with other folks who are developmentally at their season of life, right? A small group of maybe six to eight kids. We teach them a Bible story. They sing worship songs and they have a memory verse. And here's the, here's the hint. Listen, we send you an email every Sunday afternoon with the memory verse and what we taught them. And I know you don't have time. I, I get it. I, I, I don't either. <laughs> but just glance through it because you guess what you get to do? On the way home, all you've got to do is go like this. Okay, they're talking about God as creator. And say, hey, uh, hey, kids, I heard you talking about God as creator. Let's play a game. Look out the window and point to five things that Jesus created. And you'll be shocked what your kids do. Because they'll start saying, well, you know, they start telling you what went on in the class, and all of a sudden you're in a spiritual conversation. We're trying to make you the hero. So use those emails, open them. We're trying to set you up to be the spiritual Yoda in your child's life. What do we ask in return? Just consistency from you. Your kid is going to get the most when you attend the same service at the same campus every Sunday. So they are in the same small group. That's eight to 10 other kids that they go deeper with their mentor. Now here's the deal, listen. 
if you're going to come to church, I'll be totally honest, and you see, like, family ministry as, like, babysitting, like, okay, drop the kids off babysitting, let's go out to eat, you know, <laughs> um, that's what you're going to get out of it. You can go to any service you want. But if you're like, no, 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 this is my child's spiritual formation, and the same way we care about his academic achievement or her athletic achievement and development, during this critical phase, you got to be in the same service so we can be consistent every week. Because after this controlling phase is over, watch, you're not in control anymore, man. You're now a coach. This is the coaching phase from 10 to 15. This is the start of middle school. Your, your kids actually start picking their friends, right? They, they, they choose which sports they want to play. No, I don't want to do that anymore. They choose to, you know, I'm quitting the violin. I'm listening to goth music, right? They choose the music. You are coaching. And if you try to control them at this phase, too late. You are going to be in a world of conflict. You don't set play dates. You don't choose friends. You coach them on it. Here's how you posture it. Your voice sounds like God's voice in Isaiah. Watch this. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, which way do I go? Your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. At first, you used to lead your kid. Hey, come on, you're going this way. No ifs, ands, or buts. You're only going there from 10 to a 12. You can't do that anymore. You're whispering behind them. I don't know. What do you think the choices are? What looks good to you? And, it, and you're actually coaching them the way that God does to us as our faith grows. And understand, you better have that voice of influence at that point because they're going to get a lot of other voices. Their friends' voices are talking to them. Music and media, right, are going to start shaping their thinking. They're going to walk into the kitchen, you know, with their earbuds in. They're going to be like, let's Marvin Gaye and get it on. And you're like, you know who Marvin Gaye is? And they're like, yeah, I know who Marvin Gaye is. And they're like, but what's get it on mean? And you're like, talk to your mother, right? You're kind of like, right? you got to have an outside voice, parents, and that's what we're committing to you. You need somebody besides you who has a biblical worldview and can reinforce the values you're teaching them at home. And so our strategy as a church is we want to widen the circle, and you're blessed because you're part of a young and growing church. We will commit to you to provide a consistent coach or mentor, that is a small group leader, who will have a relationship that extends beyond Sunday to Monday and Friday in the life of your tween or your teenager during the week. I personally, as a dad, can I just speak from my heart? I thank God for Christy Froyland and Kirsten. Those are the two mentors for my daughter's high school small group. I have a small group, we have a, Colleen and I, we host a small group of girls, high school girls, they meet in our house on Sunday nights, but we don't do anything, we just buy pizza, we throw it on the table and they descend like vultures, okay? But Kirsten and Christy are two amazing young women in our church. They're in their 20s, but they are on point for Jesus. They're like gainfully employed, they actually love the Lord. And what's cool is my daughter Chase, she loves Christy. She's like, Christy this, Christy that, why? Because Christy's cool. Guess who's not cool? <laughs> this guy, and I'm the senior pastor, and so, okay? And so Christy echoes many of the same things we talk about here, but my daughter hears it in a different way. And Christy will call her and say, hey, I'm going to a King and Country concert at the, the Prudential Center. Do you want to go? And she's like, can I go, Dad? I'm like, go! Because I want her hanging out with Christy, who's in her 20s on Point for Jesus, not her friends who are 17 out drinking behind 7-Eleven. Does that make sense? Can I just say that real candidly? So listen, guys, this is where the rubber hits the road. If spiritual success is a priority for you, like academics and athletics, you've got to commit to get them in relationship with other people in the church. And, and I get it. As a parent, oh, man, 
There were some Sundays where it is just a battle getting to church. But I want to encourage you, push through it. So many of us will do anything for our kids' academic success, right? We'll get them, you know, tutoring or, or we'll help them with their homework. We'll, we'll do anything for their athletic success. We'll buy them all the equipment. We'll make sure they get to practice on time. But when it comes to spiritual stuff, eh, maybe we'll go, maybe we don't. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to think purposefully. Because middle school is the second fastest development time in a child's life next to the first two years. In other words, as an infant, they grow fastest in the first two years. But the second fastest is in the middle school years. Physically, they get their greatest growth spurt. Intellectually, the neural pathways are being dug. Emotionally, their hormones, of course, are raging. And spiritually, this is the phase where their faith becomes their own. By age 13, that's actually when it's typically cemented, their view of God. And if your kids, watch, if they aren't exercising their spiritual muscle in this phase, they will not be strong enough to hold on to their faith. When they get through high school, it's going to slip right through their fingers. So we're trying to help them develop their spiritual muscle during those middle school years so they can hold on to it themselves. Now, listen, moms and dad, because I know right now some of you are feeling a boatload of guilt. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't fall for this trap. Some of you are like, oh, I, we've made so many mistakes. I missed that. Fit. Oh, no, I wish I had heard this 10 years ago. Listen. Do not beat yourself up if you've made mistakes. As parents, we've all made mistakes, amen? Starting with me, okay? Listen, here's the hope. It is never too late to start parenting on purpose. So don't, yeah, give, give a hand. Be, don't give up. You can start any day or any weekend to do this on purpose. I, so many times I hear people, they say, oh, you know, I have a prodigal son or daughter. Maybe they're in their 20s and they're, they're, they're off living a crazy life. So I'm a bad parent. Listen to me. You know what that means? That means God is a bad parent because he has millions of prodigal sons and daughters. And he never gives up. He's always welcoming them home. And so you realize this is part of faith. We raise them as best we can. And we say, Lord, and now they're back into your hands. From your hands they came. I did my best. And now I trust you with them. Remember the promise of Proverbs. Phase four says this, consulting. I'm going to kind of, with this one, I'm going to bring in an expert because my kids are kind of in this young adulthood, the high school years. And by this time, your child is making their own choices. You take the training wheels off the bike. Heck, they've got a starter's license. They'll just drive, you know. <laughs> but to talk about this critical phase, I want to invite out an expert. Uh, pastor Hosil Siegel, who serves as our family pastor at Lick. Would you give her a hand? Come on out, Hosil. And uh, what's amazing is Hosil is actually the architect behind our Liquid Family Ministry. It was almost a decade ago that you started writing the curriculum for our toddlers and now our teens, which is almost our largest population. Folks are going to be surprised. Tell them about the explosive growth that we've seen with kids and students. Yeah, so let me just throw out some numbers at you. Um, we've actually, in kids and middle school, have experienced a 150% increase over the last five years. That's yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> Wait for it. In high school, we've actually experienced 800%. I know that seems a little... Um, That's mind-boggling to it me. Is, it is a mind-blowing number, but here's the thing. We feel like five years ago, we were a much smaller church, yeah. and as our church has grown, our ministries have grown as well. But about four years ago, we really reset the button on yeah. high school to try to really figure out how do we engage this phase, yeah. and I think the numbers show that we've yeah. done a good job. If, <laughs> if you don't know, family ministry is really the largest growth engine in our church, and what we're seeing is not just success numerically, but spiritually, right? We want their 
faith to be their own. Last Sunday, we saw this in a pretty exciting way across all six campuses. How many kids and students got baptized last Sunday? We had 90 kids and students get baptized. That's incredible. (laughs) That's mentoring right there. I had this really sweet moment in the lobby um, after services where I got to watch these amazing family moments take place. There were whole entire families embracing each other, hugging, and just celebrating. But what I realized in that moment is that for for a parent, when their child chooses to get baptized, it's actually representative of the significance that that child has made their faith their own, and that makes all the difference. It really does. And guys, this is important because, um, you know, this last Sunday I had a chance to pop in at our high school experience. We have that once a month at our Mountainside campus. And I didn't do that as a pastor. I did that as a dad uh, because my son's graduating eighth grade. He's going into high school in Hostel. Can I just say, I was blown away. Uh, She had the student band there ripping the roof off in worship. Tell us a little bit about Liquid Family's strategic plan to develop high schoolers. Yes, so our high school program runs during the school year on Sunday nights. And on the first Sunday of the month, we bring all of our teenage together from across all of our campus to the high school experience. Um, our experience is actually run by our students. who um, they're, uh, really cool. It's a student leadership program that we call Youth Lead. And they're our band. They are our tech. They're running our audio and our visual. And it's pretty amazing to see that. The other thing is that on Sunday mornings, our high schoolers are actually just attending church with their family. And one of the reasons we love that is because they're getting the same teaching. And it really creates kind of this natural conversation that happens in the car ride home, around the dinner table. And the the last part that I want to share is that we love syncing up with Big Church whenever we can. And so just a few months ago, we got to sync up with the group's campaign for FAST. And Honestly, it was such a sweet, sweet moment to see our teenagers have breakthrough in their life when they were um, fasting from social media. You know, guys, I think it's, we all get it, right? Our teens are growing up in a generation unlike any other. It is so much harder to be a kid today than I think when we were younger. And that's why we commit to pairing your high schooler with a mentor. So that is a young adult in their life, typically in their 20s or 30s, who is a, not just a friend, but a coach, a confidant. And at high school, this is critical. Super critical. And if I could just have any high schoolers in the room, I want you to close your ears because I want to share something with the parents. Parents, our mentors are really your biggest secret weapon. And what I mean by that is that our mentors are saying the exact same things that you're saying, but for some reason, your kids are listening to us. I say that kind of jokingly, but I can't tell you how many times I could recall my own son. I would tell him something, but when somebody else says it, it's as if it's the first time that he's ever heard it. We have over 200 small group leaders and mentors across our campuses. Can we thank them for the investment they've made? But listen, we need more. We need more. There's a, there's a little bit of a tsunami coming. We have an incoming freshman class of over 100 new students who are entering high school who need mentors and host homes. So what's the challenge, Hosel? Yeah, so I would say this. We have one of the greatest problems that church world would love to have, and that is the fact that our ministry is actually growing at a higher rate than we are onboarding new leaders. And so we need more. And so our challenge to you this morning would be, would you step up to be that one caring adult in the life of a child so that they can have a future? And we really do believe that every kid is just one caring adult away from being a success story. You know, if there's one challenge, we're out of time. If there's yeah. one challenge you could make to our, our church family, what would it be? 
it would really be to just partner with us. Parenting is so hard. Um, David and I, we have two boys in their 20s, and a few years ago, our oldest son was really going through a hard time. He was severely depressed. He was having suicidal thoughts. We didn't know, you know, from left to right, you know, this new parenting phase that we were in, and we just found ourselves at a loss. You can feel extremely helpless in that situation, frustrated and, and so hurt, and what I found myself doing is that I kept badgering my son to figure out what was going on in his life. Like, what is going on? What's wrong? At the same time, the Holy Spirit really was speaking to me on my parenting. And just a vulnerable moment here, uh, there was this this thought that came into my mind that God really pressed upon me that, Hosel, yes, you want your son to be well, but at the same time, the reason that I was asking my son for what was going on was so that I could feel better as a parent. Did you catch that? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a it's a hard pill to yeah. swallow when when God's confronting with you with that. But I also realize this too, that we can't do this alone. It really does take a village, and we need to partner together. And even just a few months ago, one of our high school coordinators, Jen Coglin, and I, we actually started a support group for parents of teens. And it's the, one of the things that I look forward to most every single month because I know that I'm not doing parenting in isolation. Yes. So don't feel guilty. Don't feel like anyone's going to, this is a judgment-free zone. We just want to come alongside and help you. And on that topic um, to close, we gave you a gift today. Host Cylinder team put together some of the best bonus content we've ever provided. So if you're in the app, here's what I want you to do. Go out of the message notes. And if you go to the bonus content, she has put in there three maps for parents to create conversations around crucial topics with your kids. Um, The first one, if you look at there, is authentic faith. And this is the basics. How do you move from just kind of Bible stories to addressing like when they start having doubts, when they start talking about creation, evolution, all that kind of stuff, and then uh, all the way to the role of faith when they're navigating some of the moral issues. The second map, to me, is so critical. It's on technological responsibility. Because even if you're not on the screen, they are. And here's the deal. It says, talk about four online dangers. Porn, violence, bullying, contact with strangers. This is in the fourth and fifth grade. Around the sixth grade, you pivot. We believe you make them the technology expert. Yeah, and one of the ones that I really call out is know their passwords, keeping their digital doors unlocked. I didn't do that well as a parent, but you know what? It's not too late. (laughs) It's never too late. So take a look. These are springboards for you to have a crucial conversation. I appreciate this. You know, once they start getting to high school, dialogue about the future. Say things like, by the way, colleges and careers monitor what you post online. So I know that party was fun, but you sure you want to put that on your Instagram? Last map for you, and again, we want to address the awkward stuff and make it easy. It's on sexual integrity. And this is beyond the biology and the basics here, but we want to talk, look what it says here, right? Sixth grade, answer questions about sex in detail. If you don't, the internet will. Yeah, this one too, stay curious about what's happening in their world. One of the things with our boys, they, they actually have them, we have them as a Facebook friend. And so being able to do that and being on Instagram with them, you can actually ask them those questions of, hey, when Johnny posted that, what did he really mean by that? So we printed this as a PDF. You can download this to your phone. You can share it, use it for conversation. Some are so practical. This is around 11th grade. Don't make future breakups harder. Consider boundaries like no boyfriends on the family vacation. 
I'm like, amen, I'll take that to the bank. Can we thank Hosel and her team for all the resources? Thank you, Hosel. We're just so grateful. You know, I mean, by the end, by the end, kids don't care how much you know until they know how much you what? Care. And this is the key. Because college and beyond, your day-to-day -day job as a parent is over. You're there to encourage. You're there to cheerlead and hopefully see the fruit as they become adults and start families of their own one day. Remember, by the end, with the end goal in mind, for Colin and I, what's the goal? What's the outcome? How will we know it's been successful? It's easy. We want our kids to grow up to be compassionate, kind, responsible adults who love Christ, share God's heart for the world, use their gifts to serve others, and then we want to be what? Friends. The ultimate goal is friendship with our kids. No longer parent, child, but peers, adult to adult, one day friend to friend. And why? That's not our smarts. This comes from God's word. Friendship is God's goal for you and me. I think about Jesus training and raising up his disciples. For three years, he's coaching and commanding and encouraging them. But by the end, he says, I'm about to leave, guys, and you're going to be out there and take this movement. And you know what he said to his disciples? Here's what he said. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you what? Friends. For everything that I learned from my daddy, I have made known to you. Spiritual friendship is the end goal for God and his kids. That's us. And it's the goal for us too, guys. We want our kids to voluntarily choose to spend time with us. Not because we were perfect parents, but we fought and we worked and it was tough. And though it was hard, we never forgot. It's just a phase, so don't miss it. Go back to our key question. Are you parenting by circumstance and chance or on purpose with a plan? At this church, I pledge to you, we have a plan that's intentional and strategic with the end goal in mind. We want to come alongside you through every phase of your child's life from cradle to college, so they can become a mature, spirit-filled adult who loves God, others, and one day, hopefully, you. Amen? Let's bow our heads for prayer, guys. Let's bow together. Father, I thank you. I ask your blessing now, Holy Spirit. Oh, these are whole, this is holy ground, and it is beyond us, God. How to raise kids who love you in a world that is selling something very different. And so, God, we just open our hands, and we ask that you'd pour out wisdom and discernment that's beyond our experience. God, you are the perfect father, the only perfect father there is. And so, Lord, I ask that your love, your grace, your forgiveness, your affection, your hope for our lives would first take root in our own hearts. And then, Father, as we uh, parent and influence our children, I ask that you'd help us to know when to be open-handed, Lord, and let them fly and, and test boundaries, and when to be closed-handed, Lord, about the truth and bring discipline. It's so hard. It's an art, God. And so we need the Holy Spirit. Would you pour out the Holy Spirit on all the families here, Father God? Set them apart. Let this be their best spring and summer ever. And then, God, I pray for more mentors, more host homes, Lord, even for our high schoolers, God. I pray there'd be people new to the church who would see this vision, and you're opening their heart today, and they would say, I want to be a part of it. God, bless them, and bless everybody as we celebrate Mother's Day as a family. In Jesus' name, everyone said together, amen. Amen. amen.